0: Hello and welcome to the 344th episode of the Crate and Crowbar, a podcast about PC gaming. It is Thursday, the 15th of October, on the very time and date that we're recording this. I'm Alex Wiltshire, and tonight I'm joined by Tom Francis.
1: Hello, I'm here too.
0: We're both here. Hey.
1: That was a very professional intro, I have to say.
0: It wasn't bad, was it? It's because (laughs) I've got a new microphone. Do I sound... (laughs) Very, very... Do I, how Radio 4 do I sound?
1: Uh, 25% more Radio 4.
0: <laughs> Only 25%. God.
1: You Not more? enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd love to sound Radio 4. I just don't... I kind, of, I kind of got to accept that I'm just just never going to reach that that height. <laughs> What's the news?
1: There's one small bit of news that is... Um, uh, positive and easy to to, uh, explain, which is um, Teardown has a release date, which is 29th of this very month, um, which I'm very excited about. This is a game I've been looking forward to for a long time. I've been looking forward to this since before it was even a game, (laughs) when it was just um, uh, Dennis Gustafsson is the the main developer. Uh, Tuxedo Labs is the name of the developer. And it's the game where, like, it's all a voxel world, and you can smash any part of it. And the thing that always impressed me about it, um, once he announced it as a game, was that it's a very sort of modest in scope game. It's um, uh, you're given this sort of, you know, um, area that has some buildings and some uh, vehicles and stuff in it, and there are just some switches around the place, and you've got to hit all those switches. As soon as you hit the first one, you've only got X seconds to hit all the others before you know um, uh, security comes in and, and kills you. I think it's just an instant game over when that happens um, for hmm. the time being. Um, but the idea is you smash up the environment in order to create this sort of perfect speed running path between all these points f- before you trip the first switch. And so you can kind of trial run it for yourself and you can spray paint reminders to yourself as like, oh yeah, when you reach this bit, go left. Um, and so that's like a really struck me as a really smart way to use like the ability to destroy anything which is a, yeah. a tech thing that that programmers love and that everyone everyone thinks is going to make their game perfect uh just by it being in there and then famously i think uh very frequently fails to actually sort of tie into gameplay like you know the, i think red faction was the first one to that's really the one i was tout of, it yeah. as, as like their banner feature and then it was kind of a fairly straightforward just corridor fps where you could destroy most of the corridor but then you got to like an unbreakable bit and then <laughs> yeah um, because
0: because destroying things tends to destroy all of the design that you've put there yeah
1: <laughs> i mean actually it's funny we'll talk about spelunky later but um it's funny to see spelunky do un- un- undestroyable walls in spelunky 2 you know in the yeah. in the um back layers of the levels there's some things where they just obviously felt like well we just can't let you get to this except by the way we intend so there's un breakable walls i think uh, teardown has an unbreakable like bedrock layer below the whole level but everything above that is destroyable um and actually feels like the game is designed around it which is really
0: cool yeah and like the, the destroy destructibility is so physics yeah <laughs> hyper physics and twenty-five <laughs> therefore physics. understandable and yet total totally sort of chaotic and that's yeah that's a that looks like an incredibly fun thing to play with
1: the sound is really good too if you put the sound on when you watch the the clips of it like everything just feels so right as it like clashes into each other and breaks and snaps and crumbles down um and yeah it's
0: got it doesn't have any of that floatiness that you tend to get Mm. with game physics like breeze blocks like what i assume are breeze blocks they look like they're breeze blocks in that game
1: yeah there's uh i think that like i think it's one of the first clips sort of got popular with this game involved like these two big pipes that breaks like one end of them and then they kind of they kind of bow like they sort of bend downwards uh, in a way where they don't quite snap off and they don't quite um stay intact but you can sort of feel that the weight of them is is weighing on the, the joint that's holding them to the wall in a way that feels very real and <laughs> and uh unlike normal game physics
0: is he making this game entirely on his own or does he have a small team?
1: No, I think I saw a dev stream where um, he was doing it with another person and the other person was talking about, uh, I think they had made the level that they were talking about. So that, um, he's at least getting help with level design. Um, I think he's like the sort of tech side of things. Um, and yeah, he was, this started as like a, a prototype Um that's stupid everything starts as a prototype um this started as a as a tech experiment it was actually like he's doing volumetric fog stuff initially and then also experimenting with Voxley stuff and then also experimenting with some destruction tech and then kind of bolted all that together and i think as it's become like a legit game he's brought on at least a level designer i'm not sure about like i'd be interested to know if he does the sound himself or if that's a
0: yeah if He has
1: a sound person then i want to talk to them <laughs> <laughs>
0: So uh, when is that coming out again? Did you say um, end of this month?
1: Yeah, 29th. Two weeks.
0: Cool. That's really
1: good. I'm going to guess it's going to be in some kind of early access. Because I think, yeah, early access um, in 2020. So that 29th must be the early access release. But this is a game I will play in early access because it doesn't feel like... It's such a kind of mess around game, you know? It doesn't feel like you'll play it once and be done with it. It feels like something that was... I want to play it in whatever state it exists and will be yeah, exactly. more than happy to come back to it as it shapes up.
0: Yeah. And you says you watch new systems being picked, kicked into it uh, and then changing existing levels just by the nature of the rules changing. That's yeah. a nice journey to go on. I hope, I
1: mean, that we should, we have had our fingers burnt a little bit by indie games that looked amazing and gifts for many, many years and then came out and we're like, yeah, okay, yeah, it does. <laughs> it does what they said it would do. <laughs> like, at the, I'm I'm doing the gift thing, but it isn't as fulfilling a game experience as I'd hoped. I won't name names because it's a bit mean, but there have been some, <laughs> like, some like that.
0: <laughs> I had a bit of um, less fun news, but I, th- I found it very really interesting. Something that popped up today, um, where um, Sega have announced they're going to be releasing some prototype games that were developed um, in the past sort of 10 years or so that uh, were kind of remakes or kind of new expressions of some of their classic games. Um, One of the developers of one of these games, uh, this game being called Golden Axed, Axed as opposed to Axe, uh, piped up and said, hey... uh, (laughs) This game came out out of nowhere. I, I made this game uh, 10 years ago uh, under horrific uh, crunch, or no, 20, 2012, yeah. under crunch conditions. Uh, and um, and Sega have released it pretty much as it is, which he has understandably found pretty uh, distressing. Um, yeah. So there's like this a, is, a, a um, sort of...
1: Sorry, uh, the... So, I'm only just noticing that this uh, person, Tim Dawson, um, who is one of the people involved in making this this prototype, um, is the developer of Assault Android Cactus, which is a new yeah. game we may have heard of. Um, and this was going to be a remake of Golden Axe, the arcade game, which I remember from my childhood, one of the few that I did um, I did play. Uh, and I feel like I remember the story going around about the, the a Golden Axe remake. Um,
0: yeah, I vaguely, be- vaguely remember it.
1: The, the thing there's a 3D about. one like that got released or that was in development,
0: yeah. That got released, um, oh, right. but it was a real mess. It's like ah. an, it clearly gone through um, a lot of issues during development, um, and that was quite a long time ago now. So it wouldn't have been, but it'd been around this time, maybe. I don't know, can't really remember anyway. And so it sounds um, like
1: the thing that's been released on Steam is like the two week prototype that, that he and, um his. Team of colleagues yes, made yeah um, at the, in order to kind of like proof of concept thing, and his his Twitter thread goes through the the extremely uh, frustrating conditions under which it was built as sixteen hour days for weeks on end uh, every I think seven days a week um, oh sorry fourteen hours a day um, and you know developed RSI doing it and the, the the management that were looking at the prototype were you know. Uh, had no faith in it and um kept telling him to do tr- kept trying to push it in ridiculous directions it didn't make sense yeah. um and they kind of stuck with what they wanted to do uh because they felt that that their work was being completely ignored basically that, that you know even if they tried to make the executives happy they wouldn't be able to um and then yeah now it's being thrown out with it there was an excerpt from the steam page which apparently has changed now but it, it said um Golden axed, maybe janky, maybe buggy, maybe an artifact of its time, but it offers a unique glimpse into the prospect of a project that could have been. To which Tim Dawson adds, "Go fuck yourself, parasites." <laughs>
0: <laughs> which I think is a fair, fair comment. Yeah, <laughs> to see something that you, yeah, that you felt that was devalued at the time, um, and which was then, you know, which was a, a real trial to have been involved with on on so many levels uh just jettisoned into the into the world you know that's yeah. horrific really he also drops this um bombshell that actually at the time he was a an animator and only learning yeah. programming
1: <laughs> god and two weeks is an incredible amount of time to make something yeah. like that. i mean I'd yeah because like, yeah, it
0: looks so. you know you know the from the from the the trailer that's on steam you know there's, there's a lot going on there, you know, like a brawler is, is not a simple game to make by any means. You know, like he's talking in this thread about, you know, tweaking um, invulnerable states and and kind of and timings and things so that executives could feel um, uh, skillful or whatever while playing. So they'd be a bit sort of more positive about it. Um, but yeah, that's... Yeah, I haven't seen an example of this before. Like, there are lots of stories about you know people having horrific experiences making doomed games, um, but this is the first one where the doomed game has had this sort of second, this unwanted second life. <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> and I think it's something about like the jokey way they're presenting it. You know, the, the, yeah. the gag title and everything. It's it's so cutesy in a very in a way that's very unearned yeah and, uh, like if he was releasing it under the, with that then you'd obviously it would be a different story but when it's the company that sort of treated him poorly and uh, and his team poorly and um probably were primarily responsible for ruining a project <laughs> it's just a bit rich isn't it yeah
0: and I think this is also like you know I mean you feel this thoroughly like the developers feel you know a, a game is an expression of a, a developer's um philosophies and skills and you know their pride and all these other things even when a developer knows that the game in general is not very good you know they you know it's important to any developer to feel that 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 their game is is being played in the best light you know that their work um you know is seen in a sense that 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 is true to what they've put into it not really making any sense here but just to (laughs) to have to have a game just sort of put out without being able to have any input into saying no i I just could you just give me a couple of days just to make this thing which i always wanted to improve you know just make it better you know
1: yeah or to even just have like a foreword on it just like that would be the, the, the bare minimum they could have done is reach out to the people who worked on it. They said, look, we're going to release this. Do you want to say anything about it? Like give some context and give your own side of things?
0: Yeah, actually the um, the Steam page does say that they did get reach out to the developers. Just, just some developers, not, not these ones. <laughs> <laughs> wow! We told David Cage about it. Uh, he was fine. <laughs> um, speaking of... Uh,
1: animators doing things in in an amazingly small amount of time. Um, That reminded me that, uh, I don't think I can talk about this in in any depth because I didn't check uh, with Gwen, but uh, Gwen Frey is working on a game called Lab Rat. Uh, She is the developer of um, Kine, Kine. which is uh, the musical puzzle game, a puzzle game where you are sort of musical instruments that kind of slide and reshape themselves uh, as they move around the the level. And she also worked on um, Flame of the Flood um, and before that was Irrational. Um, and Labrat is another puzzle game uh, in a similar kind of vein to to Kine Um, and -hmm. very, uh, if you're a fan of of, uh, Draknek and Friends games, the block pushing uh, soccer band genre, uh, it's very much in that vein Um, and I tested it. I didn't check with Gwen whether I could actually talk about it so I don't think I can say anything specific about what I played but it was was fun and you should know about it and it's incredible how good it looks and uh, it feels like I guess it isn't that soon after Kine, but it feels very soon to me in
0: that I haven't yeah. played a game
1: since then. So, <laughs> um,
0: it's quick yeah, Kine doesn't stat. seem very long ago at all because that was that was the Stadia launch. No, it was it was before it came out before the Stadia launch, didn't it? Um, but
1: I think yeah, it was because she launched like simultaneously on a million different platforms and in a million different languages, and I, so I think it's simultaneous <laughs> on on Stadia and Epic because it was Epic exclusive. Um, and in fact, I think it's coming to Steam soon. So that's another and then news thing on that vein uh is coming early 2021 uh, steam page says and oh wow uh, okay kine is coming to steam in four days <laughs> so this is more <laughs> timely than i thought
0: yeah i still haven't had a had, a, had, a, had, a, had a played that i really should have the um i think she just basically works a lot harder than you tom <laughs> <laughs> i think
1: that might be true i think it's um <laughs> She streams sometimes development, and I think anyone who does that is probably working harder than I am. (laughs) Because one of the reasons I don't do that (laughs) is you would find out that how much time I waste.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the very thought of doing that, I could never. I mean, my my streaming would be so boring. Like, quite. I think the writing process is uh, inherently really dull. I think programming, at least, you're seeing puzzles being solved in front of you, and you can kind of play along, maybe if you know what programming is. But writing, yeah. good lord! <laughs> yeah, imagine that. <laughs> it's yeah. I
1: sort of like. Do you ever talk aloud when you write?
0: <laughs> no, but I wonder whether I should because do, do you do you mean that you phrase things out? as Yeah, you, as I, th- you I think.
1: Obviously, it's hard to tell because I'm probably not conscious of it when I do it. But I think there's uh, I have like a half talking voice sometimes, especially when something is really complicated. Like I'm trying to. I, you know, my brain is kind of all over the place and I'm just trying to make sure I spell this out in words that <laughs> that um make sense. Uh I think I sometimes like under my breath kind of uh, say what I'm writing.
0: I think I might take that up because uh I I can often read back over things and hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I've All also the done right it where words like, are there but the ordering hmm <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's one of the two ingredients for writing
0: <laughs> um,
1: uh, When I've done tutorial stuff uh, I'm sometimes typing well in fact I'm typing a lot I guess when while on camera and um, sort of saying what I'm writing as I write it and it does feel weird I'm also really I think I'm bad at typing in general but I'm especially bad when I'm when I'm broadcasting at the same time you know it takes me like three attempts to write one
0: word. <laughs> I feel the pressure. <laughs> I was just thinking, when you do dialogue, do you do you tend to vocalize that more?
1: Uh I don't think so, but I think I'm pretty sure that uh, my face is doing the expressions. <laughs> like I've never filmed myself doing it or anything, but I've I've caught myself sometimes. Like as I'm writing a line that's kind of like um, you know, someone's disgusted at something, my face is also screwed up as I'm writing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds really entertaining. I'm really looking forward to the start of your uh, your streaming career.
1: <laughs> but then I also, I, I remember one time I, I accidentally recorded myself programming, like the um, the camera just happened to be on, and I'd, I'd accidentally hit the sort of start recording key combination when typing something. Um, yeah. And I was kind of appalled at what my face looks like when I'm programming. <laughs> I'm just like <laughs> scowling the entire time. <laughs>
0: angry programming (laughs) Yep,
1: (laughs) and this is why i need to be in an office like this is why working from home you know i I did it for for six years i think before i moved here and uh, i was hoping to get away from it but i'm back to it now obviously (laughs) and uh uh the great virtue of being in an office is sort of like just forces you your face and mannerisms and whole person to like behave <laughs> while you do your work and just like stay on like a, an even keel, like act like a normal human being while also programming.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I think I'm too far gone now. I don't, I don't know how to, <laughs> I don't know. The thought of working in public, it just, it just, I, I can't even countenance. Yeah. It. <laughs> how long have you been working from home? It's 2013. And lots of wow. like lots of people said, "Hey, we should do co working, uh, or um, yeah, come work in our been. office." <laughs> yes, <laughs> which I don't think we ever have actually co worked. Um, I've always been during the kind of the social bit. The social bit's right, good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want <I> to. Don't want <laughs> to talk while working. Oh, <laughs> working's hard enough, you know. <laughs> I think I'm distracted enough. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it definitely is is a distraction but i think that's part of what i like about it is i kind of want somebody to come over every now and then and say hey have you seen the new trailer for x and um you know a, a random break from what i'm doing
0: yeah no that is true that is true i um yeah i but i've got enough guilt because i'm not using my time adequately that uh, yeah <laughs> please don't show me that. please don't show me that. i'm really really interested I really like to see it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I um, I develop methods and and systems for working more productively, and I've done this many many times. And I just forget about them. Like, <laughs> it's it's not that I try and struggle and fail to use them. They work great for like two weeks, and then the, there's a weekend, and then I'm, I'm, come Monday, I just forget that I ever had a system and just go back to my very unhealthy habits of constantly switching to Twitter every thirty seconds and. <laughs>
0: I do the same, except for I don't forget on that Monday. I just say, I think I'll do it tomorrow, and then I never do. <laughs> yeah. um, like, oh, there's, There is a system that has stuck, though, that I do do most of the time, which is a kind of a bastardization of the Pomodoro technique. Oh, yeah. A very simplified, bastardized version. Do you know, do you know it?
1: Yeah, so it's like 25 minutes work and five minutes break, is it?
0: Exactly, yeah. And I, and I kind of, if I've got sort of, I don't know, housework to do or something constructive that's out of the room that I work in, then I'll do that for these sort of five minute chunks, or I will exercise, you know, do some pushups oh, yeah. or something. Oh, that sounds,
1: sounds very, um,
0: healthy. Well, you have w- to understand that exercise. otherwise I would never move. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I did, um, I did combine it cause I also had RSI and I was trying to, um, Uh, make sure I do my stretches but you know every um I can't remember what it was now I think it was every 30 minutes so that fit pretty well with a Pomodoro style thing um but in general when I when I have had a system it's been I'll do 50 minutes on and then 10 minutes off because I both I'm fine focusing for more longer than 25 minutes but when I do take a break I need more than five minutes
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) that is yeah that is yeah i I rarely feel satisfied. I feel, and I feel satisfied in the sense of that I feel virtuous, but I don't feel satisfied that I've either done enough work during the work phase or enough during the non-work phase. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, well, that, that's all we've got time for on the uh, the <laughs> <living>. <laughs> and productivity uh, pod. Uh, we should, we should, it's we should talk about good. some games. <laughs>
1: yeah, um, I had one. Well, I wasn't sure whether it was news or or what I've been playing because I have played it, but not recently. And there's also news relating to it, um, which is uh, Slipways, which is... um, I did say before we went on that I would attempt to pronounce the guy's name. I really apologize. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. This It's going to be good. I'm going to try Jakob Wazaluski is my best try at that.
0: Um, I mean, it sounds good to me. (laughs)
1: uh, And uh, he has released this game... um, as a, a pico8 game so that's a a um alex explain what pico8
0: is <laughs> yeah. I mean it, it's marketed as like a, a a game console system where it's got like, like an integrated um programming uh environment and kind of graphics making environment and sound making environment um and you can run the games that you make in that in there, like it's this sort of all-in-one, but it's made it's all presented as having almost as a sort of little computer being emulated. Um, So it's got all these arbitrary limits, like on the the number of lines you can have in the programming thing, and how many sounds of uh, channels of sound, how many colours you can display on screen at once. So it's a lot like programming for old systems, but, you know, the idea is more importantly, it's not really about retro stuff, it's more about Um, limitations being the the mother of invention and it's fucking cool
1: so he's made a 4x game in that (laughs) framework which is pretty impressive um yeah it's amazing and it's a really nicely designed one where um it's just about linking planets basically so each planet um i've actually got it up on screen now and i was just messing around to remind myself exactly how it worked because it's been a while but i i scouted out a planet and it says oh it's a jungle planet so there are two things you can do here. I can't remember what one of them was, but the one I chose was um, hunt. And so I've made this a hunting planet now. And that means if I can supply people to that planet, then I will get organics out of it, which I guess means like meat and stuff. Um, so uh, are the people so right being now, hunted
0: or the people being the no, hunters? No, the people
1: are doing the hunting. Actually, I, hmm, I didn't think about that. Uh. <laughs> I mean, the people are, uh, it's a steady supply of people. Where, where are the people going? <laughs> um But the, uh, so it does nothing by itself, but if I have another planet that produces people, then I can send people to that planet and then I'm getting more organics out of that planet. Um, but of course the planet that produces people requires bots. I can't remember what, like what the theming for that is, how it's turning bots into people. (laughs) (laughs) It's doing it. Um, and so then I want to feed some bots into that. And all the time as you're drawing these lines between the planets, those are the slipways, um, they can't cross each other. So there's also a spatial challenge there of like, how am I going to link these things um, in such a way that that it's really efficient, but uh, without screwing myself in the future. Um, and uh, yeah, I've, I've played this for ages and it's just really satisfying, really. One of those games that has simplicity in in the interface. It's quite easy to learn how to play the game and it all makes sense. And so it's very satisfying, uh, but lots of complexity in in, How to play well um and the only thing that bothered me about it is i wish i could zoom out but i can't because it's pico 8 and so it's got (laughs) it's fixed very small resolution um and uh he is now making a has been for quite some time making a really hi-fi version of it like a beautiful um uh a beautiful version of it with with like just delightful effects for these slipways and um Everything looks so kind of slick and high res and smooth. Um, And I think you can zoom out. Yeah, you can definitely zoom out. I'm looking at like a a big zoomed out view now um, of like the spider web of um, slipways of this planet system. And it looks so cool. Um, And I think it's it's not just a a revamp of the original. It has all kinds of extra things like missions and um, more structure and stuff. So I'm really excited about that.
0: So are you playing against another player, like an AI or... or no, just, just a single player. player? Okay, I think you're,
1: yeah. you're your own worst enemy. Well, in the, in the Pico 8 version anyway, um, I do see that there are like species and stuff in the, in the full version. Um, but I don't know if those are actual like factions who are vying against you or if they're just like potential employers and stuff.
0: I to have to look at the Pico Pika Eight version properly now. I did look at it briefly just, to, and you mentioned it, and it's very, very pleasing. <laughs> it's really nicely made.
1: Yeah. Um. What have you been playing?
0: I've um, I'm, i I want to talk about um, I want to talk about a a, a mod. This, this mod's been out for Quake for a long time now like several years um but it got a new version uh the mod is called arcane dimensions um it's by a team of map makers um that have been working together for years some of who have been making maps for quake since quake came out originally um, My god! and uh, arcane dimensions is this it's 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 got lots of custom graphics um quite a lot of custom bits and pieces um, but fundamentally it's a map pack for um, Quake um, with this fantastic, <laughs> really, really good maps um, and uh, this uh, version 1.8 came out about two days ago and um, adds a few more maps, I think four more maps, um, polishes up a bunch of other stuff um, and it's a, it's a real blast of a lot. I... Love, I, I Kind of went back to Quake, um, uh, sort of maybe about th- two or three years ago. I hadn't played it for years and years and years, and um, and I can't remember what the original Quake felt like when I first played it. Mm. Um, like obviously that was being played on a really crappy PC back then, so it never really ran at a very good frame rates, so or never really had a proper experience. For it. anyway, but um, with with modern kind of uh, Quake Spasm is one of the sort of I don't know what would you call it um, engines or things that you run quake in today oh, right. which managed to to kind of get it running on a, a modern computer with in built-in kind of mouse look and all these other things um so it just feels like a first-person shooter but in quake you know with it with the quake look and the quake feel um but the just the kinetics of quake are just so good it just feels so good to hmm. run and kind of shoot and and um, there's a certain sort of the way that the view um, kind of sort of bobs and dips around as you change direction is just so good. Hmm. Um, anyway, um, Arcane Dimensions, um, its levels are enormous. Like, so one of the things that um, Quake Spasm allows, and, and I think Arcane Dimensions kind of further augments this, but um, it allows much, many, many, many more I don't know what they'd be called polygons don't know what the 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 kind of like the numbers in a quake map are but like you can just have many more spaces the space like maps can be much much bigger and much more detailed um so one of the one of the big ones in in this map and uh, this pack uh which is actually launched quite a long time ago now is called the forgotten sepulcher and it is vast, interconnected, and you're constantly unlocking shortcuts from one place to another. It feels a lot like Dark Souls design, but in, but in <laughs> Quake. And you're exploring these huge castles and, you know, sort of winding your way through these kind of hallways and through corridors and up forgotten staircases. And, you know, it's it's really, really good. Um, 1.8, which um, launched this week, um, adds, uh, I've played two of the levels so far, two of the four levels. Um, so one of them is sand <laughs> Sandcastle. <laughs> and that one's, this <laughs> is like this ancient Egypt themed thing. So, that, you know, like, you know, it really does monkey around with with quite, quite a lot because one of the first things you see is a 3D face, uh, you know, carved into the side of a very sort of big wall so something that, that quake could never have done in the past but um it's filled with traps and uh switches to pull which kind of open kind of walls up and uh kind of monsters jumping out at you um and it's just beautiful um it's designed by um simon ho Galligan, Callahan, callaghan sorry who uh is basically the 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 looker after the janitor of um, <laughs> of uh, Arcane Dimensions. He basically leads the project and he's the person who releases it. And it's from his website. We'll have link in the show notes. But um, I feel like it's there's got to be a good,
1: find it. like there's got to be a good, like on theme fantasy term for that job role. Like the keeper. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: keep, the keeper of the mod. Yeah. <laughs> manager. It's probably like manager.
1: <laughs> it sounds like... Um, uh, so it sounds like it uh, you know, expands uh, way beyond anything a, a normal Quake level would do. But does it still feel retro when you're playing it, or does it feel more yeah. like, modern?
0: Yeah. So, you know, those kind of um, modern uh, 90s uh, shooters that have come out, yeah. Dusk is one of them, um, where they sort of look a bit like they did, but, and there's, you know, the, the move speed is kind of like it, and they're pixelated. But they don't really capture the quake feel, and I think that one of the things about the quake look is its total consistency. Like the the just the the textures just look so consistent, and there's just a right. I don't know what it I I, I can't really put my finger on much more finely on what it is, but I think it's about that. Um, and this pack uh, definitely captures that. I think a lot of the uh, the the textures are native textures but they build a lot more on top of them but they do feel super quakey they it looks I mean, like quake i
1: guess part of the consistency in quake one would have been just the limited color palette right they, they actually yeah. had to stick to a color palette because they technically yeah. couldn't do any more colors whereas i expect well, back modern... then all they
0: could use was brown <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah as as famously so but it's funny that quake um felt consistent because uh it's it's development was anything but right because like there's the fact that basically some members of the team wanted to do a sci-fi game and some wanted to do like a gothic horror game and they just decided like well this corridor takes you to the sci-fi world and this corridor (laughs) takes you to the gothic horror world and they're just like yeah just all of you do your own thing and we'll just we'll just put portals that goes between it (laughs) (laughs) which i mean that's yeah i think that's why it's it's so still so unique there's nothing quite like it because i remember that first i think it was the first world was the more sci-fi one initially at least um uh with you know a sort of um high-tech facility and dudes with their, their plasma right. rifles um but they're all painted in the palette of a gothic horror thing right they're all they're all yeah. stuck in those in those like dirty browns and that does have a really distinctive feel like sort of grubby sci-fi
0: yeah and if and and it feels like you're in castles rather than you know like the technology is all well the pixelation just makes it feel like you're in a rocky place not a kind of metal place yeah yeah but the um i mean these what they, they, they've updated quite a lot of the enemies um some of them have new behaviors and things but um a lot of them you know they perform the same roles they have in in quake but they'll update them so that you know it's either a bit sci-fi you know it's either sci-fi or it's fantasy because they've just changed the the kind of the skinning for them and the kind of the the, the model a little bit but um um, another one of the, the, the levels that I'd played was um, Tears of the False God, um, which, which is by Antelope called Benoit Stauder. Um, and this one, um, so one of the things I really loved about playing first-person shooters when Quake came out was this idea of running around with total freedom, a 3D space and exploring it. Like you got to run around the contents of someone's imagination um, and there's oh, yeah. sort of discovery around every corner, you know it's being swap for choice now um <laughs> that magic has kind of gone away but um um there these maps definitely capture this sense of being in a place um that is worth exploring and in for for Tears of the false god, that's because the design is just so um economic, like it's a really big space. But you've got no map, or at least you don't feel you need to use a map, because it's basically several floors stacked up on each on top of each other. So it doesn't really the map flow doesn't really feel like exists at the start. You don't know which way to go. And before you before long though, you realize that actually it's a circular route and you're you can then backtrack on yourself and go into the middle of this sort of oval area that you're in. And then you realize you can move upwards and then, you know, over the course of twenty minutes, half an hour of play. You know shooting a lot of monsters um you realize you you feel you really master this space and the Mm. the design keeps you moving around through the floors revisiting areas because there's respawning going on and stuff being opened up and um the the way that these areas interconnects is just so good um and you know and it just loves just putting you in a great big arena full of really really scary enemies all the time um a, in a space that you very quickly can understand partly because you can see so far partly because um you can just you understand how it connects to the other areas like it's it's a real joy to explore in a way that um a lot of games now because often they're in linear you know they're they're laid out in a linear way so you're just moving in a straight line more or less um you know through the through the game um or you're in open world where well, you're kind of the exploration is only really goes as far as to find the next kind of point of interest, and the bits in between, the kind of open bit of the world, isn't really actually that important. And so, like, it's just sort of you're always just traversing it rather than exploring it. Um, like, it's really nice to play these great big expansive levels that capture some of that old feel where um, everything is important, but also they're quite open ended, but they don't have that, that frustration where you tend to get lost in. Some of the older games, which I used to anyway. Yeah, so that's that been sounds, really nice.
1: We had a question about this recently. This this would have been a good answer to, you, which is, um, you know, what are games, uh, what, which games have done a good job of making you sort of really get to know a space and feel like you sort yeah. of live in it and and understand it intimately.
0: Yeah, that, I mean, this is, and it's uh, yeah, and in this case, it's about these spaces that are just super interconnected and always interested in sending you on loops and sending you back to places and and or having you enter them from a different angle and asking you to understand how they connect together you know it combines with just the the pleasure of controlling quake and the fact that they're full of monster closets which (laughs) will just sort of spring open and give you a fight when you're not expecting it or sometimes when you are like you see a gun in the middle of a room and you you just know that that's just going (laughs) to (laughs) <laughs> you know what's going to happen um, yeah there was yeah
1: those days had definitely had like a more direct conversation between the designer and the player right you know things mm. things could just be set up that way because the fucking level designer is is messing with you and you didn't have to there wasn't this middleman of like the fiction <laughs> you know yeah. was, you didn't no one was asking like who made this space and why would they have this why would they put this gun there and why what were those monsters doing in that closet before now um, <laughs> like uh, and that's obviously there's there's a lot we gain from from going for a more like grounded fictional approach where there's some reason for these places to be constructed the way they are but there's also what you lose is there there isn't that direct conversation you know we still have the cliche of like oh you just gave me a load of health and a load of weapons there's probably a boss fight coming um but that's rarer and uh, you can't have that same kind of back and forth except in like i guess you know that's more the domain of like comedy games now like um yeah. and like jazz punk definitely has that that uh, conversation conducted through expectation and, and then the, the playing with your expectations
0: yeah 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 it's it's it actually it's quite interesting to see how mature its developers are like you know they've they've been doing it for a very long time for one point um and second you know map design has has evolved so much since quake came out um, so there's you know while this bears all the hallmarks of of Quake's fundamentals, um, the artistry with which it is put together is just so much far beyond. It's quite interesting. Last week, um, there were a couple of um, tweets from some of the original designers were working on Quake. Um, and there was a story, I'm going to misremember this. Um, I'll try and find it for the, the show notes. But um, um, apparently, uh um, Oh, and I've forgotten his name. Um, who is the the? He went on to make that Alice game. Um, uh, American McGee. American McGee. He wanted to have a level, which was uh, the level was a three hundred foot uh, zombie. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be just I, fighting around and shooting sort of bits of its body as you were kind of running around it.
1: <laughs> so you're not inside the
0: zombie. They're just. You know. I think that you're kind of around the body. Is I think I, I interpreted this kind of very short description to be like imagine the zombie is kind of encased in a building, and you're kind of running <laughs> around the kind of the structure that's around its body. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I, Almost like <laughs> Mass Effect Two. Different.
1: Mass Effect Two has a bit like that, I think.
0: Really, I really. Yeah, I <laughs> it sounds like a good, to... plan, a good idea.
1: <laughs> it, I remember it being very goofy in Mass Effect Two because it, I was quite into <laughs> into Mass Effect, and it was a time when the whole story and the, the antagonist, especially in Mass Effect Two, I find really goofy and and very like flimsy. They don't really stand up to. Um, to a moment's thought, in terms of what their plan is <laughs> and how it works, and the, the mechanics of what they're trying to do really don't make sense. They're like liquefying humans to make a giant robot human. <laughs> I don't think oh, that's wow. how robots
0: work. I don't remember this pair I think I might have wiped it from my memory.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, people. At Mass Effect Two is probably a, might be the most the most beloved of the series, and I I definitely see why because I love I love recruiting a team of specialists for a big heist. That's you know my whole jam. Um, so I, I don't begrudge that it's, that it's so well liked, but I, as someone who was very into the plot and just focusing on the plot, I just, the plot at almost every turn was like, wait, what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and, uh, Quake, they were, they were, had the foresight not to do that. <laughs> exactly. Another, trick.
1: another great thing. <laughs> the pre-plot days.
0: Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'll um, yeah, if you like, quake <laughs> doesn't cost any money, or well, it does, but like it's cheap as hell, and this is free, so we'll have the show notes and like put in show notes and have a little tinker oh, because it? it's um, so good.
1: Uh, I thought quake was free actually because it's an open source.
0: Oh, actually, it, yeah, maybe you can play it with the um, the free version. Yeah. Uh I, I think that if you have you can buy the full it's I think it's you the free version is the um old um shareware release. Oh really? <laughs> so like the first world or something. Right. So <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah. It's just after all this time, you know, yeah. If you like chapter
1: one of Quake, invest in the full product.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what have you been playing? Um
1: I so this is actually semi-news as well, uh because um uh noita is out today uh it's 1.0 today it's been in early access for quite some time um and it just uh released today i we were expecting to have graham on this podcast and he has played 1.0 more um i think uh so we should save our our main discussion of it till when he's back um
0: save the takes
1: yeah but i did play i played last night in preparation for this pod, which was just before 1.0 launched and i played again this morning and i did the daily challenge today um and at first I thought, oh my God, 1.0 is a dramatic change because your starting weapon is different. This is different. That's different. And then I realized, wait, I'm playing the daily challenge. This is probably different because it's the daily. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I actually don't know which thing has changed because when I played last night, it was the same starting weapon, same two starting weapons that you always have. Um, yeah. First level felt very similar to how it always felt. You know, I last yeah. played probably a year ago. Um, and I was thinking, you know, I really wish they would just give me something random to start the, start the game with because it's, I guess you need a reliable weapon, but then the other one could be something just um, just mad. I find it, it so uh, just case anyone isn't familiar, it's, it's the roguelike where every pixel is simulated. And so um, it has a lot in common with those old falling sand sim, sandbox games where you just sort of pour things around and mix liquids and um, uh, play with physics. And it's that, but there's a, there's a level built for you and you're shooting monsters with spells um, and you're a, a wizard with a jetpack <laughs> is how it feels. Uh, technically you're levitating, but it's definitely very got very jetpack and spelunky vibes to the movement um, mechanic. And all of that is really cool. And it's great that like... Um, you know, Everything's always exploding and fire is spilling out and catching fire to other things. For some reason, there's a lot of stills full of whiskey in this world. <laughs> and so those <laughs> burst open and, and catch fire and everything. Um, I The limit on my fun with it is the wand system, which should be totally up my alley in that it's randomized. You, know, you find random wands with random spells in them. And then there's this overarching system for how spells slot into wands. And when you get mm. to the end of the level, you're allowed to edit them. You're allowed to drag these spells out and slot them into new things, which is so what I the kind of thing I want. Mm-hmm. And when I played it years ago, um, early in early access, I was excited about that prospect and thought this is really cool. I hope they, I hope they make this comprehensible, <laughs> because it <laughs> yeah, it suffered then, and I'm afraid it still suffers now from the um, proc gen mishmash syndrome um sometimes called what is it called something to do with porridge or infinite oatmeal where everything every wand has like nine stats and they're things like uh uh charge delay recharge time mana charge rate mana uh slots uh sorry capacity um and like two others and All of them are sort of something to do with rate of fire (laughs) in some way, but there's no, and they're all just numbers. They're just like 0.28, 0.26, 0.1, 1.4. And none of those numbers mean anything in isolation. And even when I have four ones and I'm looking at them, I really try, I look back and forth, I look back and forth, and it does the RPG thing of highlighting in green the stats that are better than the one you have. Um, But even so, I just can't, get in my head what is this is this good is this better is it faster i can't even tell not only can i not tell if it's better overall which you know arguably should be a trade-off um but i can't even tell is this a faster one than the other one i the only way i can do it is to actually. i don't think even
0: our... so did you did you hear um the Splunky show likes um special series of, Some of episodes them. about it so one of the things that i learned from well, mostly from Bennett Foddy, who is a kind of an expert on the game, yeah. um, is that that in many cases the stats are, um, you know, it, it depends on the context that whether you want a high number or a low number in in a given right. stat because of the way that it interacts with a certain kind of spell, and so sure. the nuance the nuance level is very very high, basically,
1: yeah. <laughs> I mean, we. This is how we started with the the weapon generation for heat signature. Every every gun can have its own a random number for rate of fire, a random number for a number of projectiles fired, a random number for accuracy, a random number for um, I can't remember what the other ones were. But uh, when I tested that, I found I just don't care about these differences because I can't tell at a glance whether this is a good one or a bad one. Yeah. I can't tell yeah, is yeah. this a is this like a mega shotgun that's really slow to fire well it's it's eight projectiles, I guess that's a lot uh, It's rate of fire is one what is that is that fast is that slow and uh, yeah when you put them side by side and you highlight in green you highlight in red that helps a little bit but ultimately like what we ended up doing was just characterizing with traits so it's just this is this weapon has the the uh, rapid extreme rapid fire and that just tells you right away that's extremely rapid fire <laughs> like yeah. in the context of the game, to all the others this one that's will as fire fast as it goes. Yeah. yeah and if we tell you it's loud then we're telling you it's louder than the other things like we if we gave you a number for that we can do that but that number doesn't mean anything to you it means something to to us and to the game um what the player wants to know is how does this stat sit within the range of things i could have got like is this how does this compare to the average yeah. um and also broke it down into just a few of those things so each weapon just has like three or four traits and and they only we only tell you about a trait if it's unusual you know if it's if it has the average rate of fire there is no word for that it's just you know a gun um And we'll tell you about the things that are special about it. And I really want that for this because I just can't read the stats. And so I can't get excited about them and I can't um, get disappointed in them. And I don't know what spells to fit which things. All I end up doing is just dragging them around randomly. And you discover weird things like that. Like the two starting weapons, there's this standard bolt wand that just is your basic attack. And then there's a a wand that fires bombs, but you can only fire three of them uh, before it runs out for the rest of the level. And mm. in the wand editing, if you switch those, if you drag the bolt spell into the bomb wand, it's incredible. It's like a Gatling gun. That bomb wand turns out to have <laughs> an incredibly high rate of fire, which is yeah. irrelevant because it only has three shots, and they're very rare and precious. and You don't want to use them. So there's all those weird quirks. And that my problem is not oh, you should have configured those weapons the best way for me because I get that um, you know you want there to be some some fun and in, in uh, some you know secrets for the player to learn and, yeah, and discoverability. But my problem is I can't... When I look at those stats, that's not obvious to me that that would have happened. You know, I read the numbers. It does say that the, the bond one has you know 0.02, but then what is charge delay versus recharge rate versus mana charge rate? And yeah. um, I get that they're all relevant, but I can't read them and I can't get an overall sense. And the way, what I ended up feeling about it is that it feels like the tool a programmer would make for a designer, not the tool that a designer would make for the player. Yeah. Like it exposes everything. I have the power to to see all the stats and know how it works under the hood. And if I was willing to devote, you know, work days of my life to <laughs> to getting my head around this thing and really internalizing it, then I would get to the point that I I know what zero point four is as a as a charge delay. Uh, but I don't uh, have that kind of investment, and I need someone to translate it for me.
0: I think it's it also gives you limited chances to test because um, like so you get to um you know as you mentioned like you, you a lot of spells and ones come with limits on the number of times that you can fire them but you get to recharge them when you go to the kind of level end um area um the holy mountain but um it's only be charged when you go over um when you collect an item in the yeah. holy mountain so if you happen to touch that uh you recharge all your stuff, but then you won't get to recharge anything again. So if you want to do some testing, find out what what this this thing does or, you know, muck around with with combinations of stuff, um, you get really limited ability to do that, which is surprising to me. I mean, you know, maybe this has been the focus of the, you know, the 1.0 release because we were playing the one just before it It hadn't been updated since june or something i think i noticed um but i was really surprised having not played it for probably six months longer probably eight months or so i was really surprised by how how similar all of those systems were given that i know that that's kind of been the bugbear of quite a lot of Players, or at least, you know, being the source of frustration or the source of people wondering, you know, whether it could be better if this was, you know, the, the way that you muck around with some ones could be better expressed yeah, or whatever.
1: That is that is still the same in 1.0 because I played it this morning. Is it? And, um, oh, yeah, it's right. just, just a single pickup that recharges once and then if you, huh. and it, yeah, it's annoying because I often do have charges left over from the level. So I would, I could test before I hit that thing but that recharge thing is before the testing room, so you'd have to sort of float. You have to remember to float over it and not pick it up and go to the test room <laughs> and test some stuff, then come back and get it, which is crazy. I have
0: this fear of kind of some sort of knockback thing, you know, like a sort of a recoil effect knocking me <laughs> back into it. No, like, oh. <laughs> the other limit on <laughs> or your or you might is... anger the gods accidentally, which is possible, oh, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh the other limit on your testing ability is your health because some of the things you can make will will kill you um there's one that, that said it created a horizontal barrier and it's like great a horizontal barrier so maybe i can like stand on that and use it as a platform so i cast it and immediately lose like 25 health to it because it creates what it means is a horizontal death field <laughs> and it creates it like on me so and then um uh i was i thought okay that was bullshit i don't want that i'm gonna go back to the shop and buy a different thing bought a different thing was going back to the testing area, tried to fire the different thing, and then I still had the horizontal barrier one selected, and I just created a barrier on my head and killed myself. <laughs> <laughs> so I died in the in the safe zone in between levels.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think there's a lot of charm in the fact that you can murder yourself completely accidentally. <laughs> we'll be talking about Spelunky a bit more you know, soon, but yeah, no, like I think that some of its charm is in the the ramshackle sort of uh, sort of, I don't know, discovery and problems. But yeah, I would like to be able to pick up stuff quickly. Like, and also it's in the fact that, you know, one of the things that's been refreshed since I played it first time around is a lot of the perks. Not knowing what any of the perks do before you get to choose them. Yeah, and some of them have big drawbacks painful. as well. Yeah, exactly. It's just, you know, I, I'm all for discovering things and feeling like I've discovered them for myself. But when you have, when you're deep, when you've got quite a long way and you just don't know, you don't, you want to preserve your, your, you know, your progress and you, Mm. you don't want to be investigating stuff when it's enough investigation just to survive the oncoming level. Yeah. (laughs) But I would like to play some more.
1: I know that um, Graham likes it a lot. So uh, hopefully we'll hear his, his, uh, response to this attack <laughs> next week yeah. uh, i do yeah it's it's fun um definitely it's like a screw around game i enjoy just just messing around with it and seeing what happens when i fire a wand it is it's definitely a cool moment each time you find a new wand and you just just shoot it off just to see what it does that kind of experimentation i do like um but yeah should we talk about Splunky yeah. now
0: yeah let's get it over with <laughs> Tom, I'm so bad at it. I'm so so bad <laughs> at it. I'm just. Oh God, I'm just. That's. I'm in a. I'm in this funk where I think I just don't. I just don't believe in myself, and so. Um, <laughs> That's a I'm good place tri- to be in with blankie I think. <laughs> <laughs> funk. No, I I'm mean, doing not, worse not now than yourself. I did when it first came out. Like I was in my first couple of oh, runs, really? I got I got all the way through dwellings, um, but now, I'm not
1: (laughs) (laughs) it's so random um like obviously there's there's a huge skill component to it as well but it's also just how easy or or kind a seed can be varies so much in this one i think more so than Splunky one because Splunky one the mines there just wasn't that much they could throw at you there just wasn't in their list of things they could spawn you know dart traps is one and that's um uh not great but there is there was nothing like moles there was nothing like um horned lizards there was no boss in in the the mines and they so the worst seed you could get was it could still be bad but it feels like every day on on spelunky with a daily challenge is such a crapshoot for how how brutal dwelling is going to be
0: um but as, so as like, somebody as somebody with such low attainment um goals as me um i do enjoy the little update that i get through the day of you and uh (laughs) graham kind of checking in with how unfair it is today (laughs) i'm enjoying it a lot (laughs) i
1: think probably every day at least one of us has been like oh today was just brutal and i was like you know absolutely screwed it up um uh, there has been it's it's kind of split um but there are definitely a lot of days where I screw it up and it's 100% my fault. And I, I will say so. <laughs> I'll be like, well, that seed honestly gave me some really good stuff and I just threw it away. Um, and that's what I love. Like, that's the the fun part. Um, we were saying, uh, you know, moles and the witch doctors in the jungle um, and, the, and the horned lizards in, in Dwelling, actually, as well, are yeah. all things where, like, a. Very little to zero player error can lead to absolute calamity. Like you can be just killed (laughs) for the slightest of mistakes or even with moles, it's not even a mistake. It's just, you fail to be, you know, to see something, um, which I guess you could call a mistake, but, um, the, the punishment is so out of, out of whack with the, the crime. And I, one of the reasons that I think that's a mistake is that, um, Spelunky was so good at making you engineer your own destruction. Like yeah. um, and Graham and I were Graham was saying this, and I agreed that the ghost jar is kind of a perfect example of that. That's a perfect extinction of what Spelunky One was already doing, which is you don't have to take the ghost jar. And if you don't take the ghost jar, there's, you know, a 99.9% chance it won't get broken and the ghost won't arrive <laughs> for that reason. And yeah. Uh, Yeah, we all fucking take the ghost jar and like 30 percent of the time we kill ourselves with it because uh, and all the rules are known to us we know when it will break and when it won't break pretty much um and we get ourselves in trouble and that's great because when that happens you're like fuck i'm an idiot why did i do this god damn it um and that's that's the kind of i don't even call that frustration really it's you know you'll hear me yell and and um Hmm. uh stuff but it's not it's different to the kind of frustration i feel at a game when i just don't know why i died or i think what killed me was unfair or whatever um and i feel like when that's like gold dust if you can make the player feel that way uh they're dying and they know it's their fault and they took on the challenge that killed them um and they understood all the rules when they when they bought into it that's so valuable and so rare in games that it's it's sad to see anything else dilute that and mix in with with just straight up brutal frustration There are bear traps or man traps or whatever you want to call them, like steel traps on the ground that they're brutal. Like they're insta-kill and you've got to look out for them. And so you go, you pay a sort of like learning slash perception tax when you, when for each one of these things in the game, right? The first time you encounter it, you don't spot it and it kills you. And then you just got to go through that a few more times before you, your senses become super tuned. But then there are also just little bits of grass and leaves and things that can Almost a hundred percent obscure them. Graham died to yep. one on a daily recently where it was just almost invisible. And that you don't need that kind of brutal bullshit if you've if you've done the incredible work of creating a game that can make you screw yourself and um, uh, you know have deaths that feel completely fair um, and yet still regularly occur.
0: You pointed one out, one one yesterday, um, the, the kind of like these rags hanging from the ceiling and trullings, oh, yeah. which a spider can be behind and be totally obscured.
1: Yep. And I, it's, yeah, yeah there are games like that, that, that delight in that shit. And that's that's their their stock and trade. And they're not my kind of games. And I think that's cheaper and dirtier than what Spelunky normally does. And <laughs> so
0: that's why I, I object to it you know,
1: so much. You're saying- yeah. that, um, uh your kids are having a good time with it
0: yeah they they absolutely um love it i'm really being surprised so so my my son has had a, a long relationship with spelunky um he was fascinated by it when it when hd first came out um he was very young then and he was terrified of the ghost he would make me go very quickly all the time because he was terrified of running out of time when the ghost coming <laughs> out um um, and he would not play himself. Um, then last summer, so last year, so t- summer 2019, um, we were on holiday and he'd been playing, um, on Vita, PS Vita, um, a lot and he completed a hell run for the first time. And so, you know, this was sort of like a long journey, I guess that was, what's that? Six years, I don't know, um, uh, that he took to that, um, and he's, so he's moved to Spelunky too with joy in his heart. He, he absolutely loves it. And he's playing it awesome. every spare second he can get, which is good. He's 14, no, 15 now, 15. So that's good. You know, like I do like the idea of, none of his friends are playing Spelunky. <laughs> it's just just him. So it's sort of, and I've been trying to make him do the daily, but he's just not really interested. Like he, oh, really? no, that's interesting. it's interesting to see him. He's not, He's not interested in competitive play at all. Um, huh. He is, as far as I can tell, he's honing individual areas. So he'll he loves the fact that you can you know you you can make shortcuts to um, different areas and and he will just play um, Volcana over and over and over again <laughs> and with the dedication that means that he uncovers a lot of the secrets and he figures out the way that he wants to make his way through it, like what he's going to do with that thing that you can get on in mm-hmm. Volcana, you know, um, uh, I'm not going to spoil anything, but you know, he, he uncovered it and I just, I just watch him and find out all sorts of stuff that I kind of wanted to discover myself, but then realize I don't have the skills to <laughs> actually do so. So I've got him to do it for me.
1: It sounds like he's really good at it, right?
0: He's really good. He 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 goes incredibly quickly. Um he <laughs> runs everywhere. I can, and you know, when he when when it first came out, he was dying all the time to threats that he really didn't need to. But um but he's able to process what's happening far yeah. quicker than me, and I'm crawling along, <laughs> you know.
1: I would um, love to see um, like a co-op run with you two, where you play like one of the older-looking characters, and he plays like <laughs> the, one of the kid-looking characters, and like the old man doddering behind his <laughs> incredibly fast son.
0: It's it it's well yeah. So about that, um, <laughs> it, it makes me because he's usually like I, I'll usually piggyback on his session, so he will have control. So the 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 way that the same screen co-op works on in Splunky Two as it does in Splunky One is that player one. Um, the the screen is bound to their view, so as they're moving around, the 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 view is scrolling with them. So if you're player two, you can find the view just going in the opposite direction to the way you're running sometimes, and you'll finally find yourself <laughs> invisible because your partner has run off <laughs> in the opposite direction, and um and that can I find it quite nauseating sometimes because it's just. You know, it, it's a real brain ache for me. Yeah. Um, so I'm always shouting at him, slow down. <laughs> Will you just wait for me? And he's just running full tilt, you know, zipping down. <laughs> no point going that way. No, nothing's down there. He also picks up no gold. He's not interested in what? gold at all. I Does know, he rob the shops then? Uh, he robs all the shops, yeah. Right. And he has this these incredible techniques that he uses that mean that he can rob the shop, you know, flawlessly on that occasion. And he's pretty good at surviving subsequent, you know, like the, the the shopkeepers that are waiting at the end of the levels subsequently.
1: So it's, I'm I'm kind of the same place with that I was with Splunky One on that, where I, it's not, it doesn't seem dauntingly impossible. Like certainly robbing in the first place is usually easy because you just find a shop that has the right kind of thing and, uh, yeah. and there'll be some trivial way of doing it. But the dealing with the consequences afterwards—it's I could get better at it with practice, but I just feel like you're always playing the same game w- once that happens. Yeah. Like you're always just in this death match with shot with with shotguns, and it's sort of it's this one kind of challenge And every level. That's going to be the big challenge is is a shotgun death match, and that feels much more samey than. And also not caring about gold. You know, if you're rob- robbing the shops, and that's pretty much. There are some things you can still spend gold on, but um. For the most part, you don't need it anymore. And for me, that just yeah. removes one of my favorite bits of the game—is like trying to yeah. optimize for like, oh, I got, I got to get this because there'll be a gem, and um
0: uh, is yeah, it like a bomb
1: to get these this bit of gold and stuff like that?
0: Yeah, it I did make me. Does make me think I would like to see the um the economy supporting, robbing the shopkeepers while also still encouraging you to collect gold. I mean, you know, obviously it is a score thing, and certainly in the daily challenge, you know, it's important because it's just score um and it's a it contributes to your final score if you're doing a normal run isn't it but but that's the only thing to and if you you know you're, you're probably not going to win a run especially you know so you <laughs> for him he's just it's totally pointless which is yeah. yeah i but he's running so fast that i don't know maybe he just you know that collecting the gold would destroy the thing that he likes best about it anyway so <laughs> yeah but then um so he he's just sort of throwing himself you know he's been to a lot of the later areas but he's yet to hone them and presumably work them into his plan i don't think he's finished it properly right. like he's got to olmec and stuff but um but
1: yeah um i had a moment uh the other day which i, I won't uh say anything specific about what i found but i found i found a secret and um it was uh Amazing because it paid off. One of the things I, I do love about the secrets in this game is there's loads of them. So there's in Splunky One, it was, I guess there were a bunch of miscellaneous secret levels, but there was one main mm. secrets track, and it's you do that, and then, uh, and it, that gets you to hell. And if you if any part of that chain breaks, if you fail any part of that chain, it's kind of over uh, pretty much, um, and you just can't do that. So it's like, it was all or nothing. Either you're going to complete the game normally, or you're going to do the secret track and go to hell and complete it that way, or nothing. Um, and this Splunky 2 has much more, partly because of the branching and partly because there's just way more secrets in general. There's loads more you can potentially do in a run. And yeah. I've been forming these little mini theories. Like there's there's the main secret track still and I'm, um, it branches now. And I'm, there's some things I want to explore about how does it branch and can you crisscross the branches and all this kind of stuff. Um, there's the kind of old secret chain is in there pretty much intact. I'm not as interested in exploring that partly because I've already done it in Splunky 1. Yeah. I, it will definitely do something different here I can tell that it, it can't go in the quite the same direction but um, uh, it's more familiar whereas the the one that's running in parallel to it I'm obviously more interested in progressing in that and I've there's um, I haven't made any progress in that in ages now because I, I got you know a cert, to a certain stage with it and just once and I died immediately afterwards and so hmm. I, I do really want to do that again but um, in the meantime I've just been um, sort of going with the flow and seeing where I run takes me and uh, Graham and I have been alternating which days we do jungle versus volcano um, in the uh, on the daily just so that there's a greater chance that we'll be able to compare notes on the same version of, of World 2. Hmm. Um, but anyway, I, I discovered something that was, I just had this theory, I had two different theories. One was, um, again, I won't say any specifics, but one was just about there's a certain part of this one level that I've never got to before. And I could tell it's, it's very difficult to get to. Um, and I knew there'd be something special there and I formed a theory of what the special thing would be that's there and then separately there was um, a level with a very uh, extremely deadly trap like a trap that's just absurdly deadly and everyone, you even get specifically warned, man there's no going back from this um, <laughs> and uh, it was, it's so weird when you go down there and you, you sort of, you go in there knowing well this runs over, you know, everyone's telling me I'm going to die and um, uh, sure enough and again, I just, for a while I was, I was thinking, okay, there must be some way to sort of do this. Um, and stewing these, these things over in my head, I just came up with just theories like about how these things could work and what they, what the real purpose of them might be and how, uh, how they might relate to each other and all this stuff. And uh, uh, in one run, I basically got to that certain part of that certain level that had exactly what I thought would be there was there. And then I also in the same run got to test my theory about this trap thing. Um, and that paid off as well. And I got somewhere that I I can't say anything (laughs) about, but just like blew my mind. (laughs) I'd already heard Colin Northway on the, um, Spelunky show, like was, had said something along those lines about the secrets in this game. Like a, there's a lot of them and B there's some stuff in there that just makes, just blows your mind. And this is my first experience of that, where I just saw something like what I actually, I, my uh, OBS was a, I had like instant replay mode on, and I, I instant replay recorded it. And I wasn't wearing a headset, but my headset was on the ground. And even from the ground, you can hear me say, "Oh my god, what the fuck is that?" <laughs>
0: <laughs> that sounds really good.
1: Yeah, so it's it's cool, and I, that will. But that's definitely not the only, you know. Uh, I did not find the ultimate secret of the game. This is just like a weird little side thing, and so it's it's great to think there's loads more stuff out like out there like that.
0: Yeah, yeah, because that was the sort of the hope for for Splunkies, or kind of the original Splunkies. You were playing through it like maybe there's more, maybe there's more, maybe there's more, and like you know, that is the the main thing. I was going to just mention that that um, my daughter's also playing the game a lot, um, and she. She was starting to play it through with 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 with, a, with my son's her uh, brother, and they would do, they were playing cooperatively together, and she would just muck around and, and annoy him and, and kind of get in his way and generally sort of cause cause ructions, and they would just end up fighting, and then they'd move to the deathmatch mode and uh, and and, hit, and kill each other there. But now she's playing it completely on her own. Um, because she just enjoys the game, oh, nice. and that's been really nice to watch as well. And, like, you know, she's probably my ability, so really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, not, not, nothing like as good as Jack, but um, but like, I was really surprised that Spelunky has quite effortlessly, um, really appealed to kids. I don't really see it as being a kids' game because. I just don't see it being in anyone's purview. Like any, I don't know. I, like, I'd love to hear more. You know, accounts of kids or young people yeah. playing
1: it. In some ways, I, because it's quite a retro game. I think is is maybe the part that doesn't seem very kid oriented. You know, it, it appeals to, yeah, um, to uh, some quite old fashioned sensibilities. But at the same time, I mean, I'm sort of not too surprised that Jack is really good at it. But it definitely feels like. You know, if I was twenty years younger, <laughs> I'd be dominating this game, <laughs> um, and and also that secrets thing. I know that I, as I, as a kid, I would have been really captivated by that because that was the the allure of yeah. games so much was just like you know, if you've never seen Level Seven, you know, and your friends are, are whispering about what might be there, and um, that sense of of there's there's something special here that to be discovered. Um,
0: it definitely has that playground thing. Like that. that's the thing that I, yeah, exactly. I, I, that's why I think that it should, it definitely has the potential to be there.
1: Yeah. And again, that's sort of why I wish World 1 was easier because I feel like that's that's just putting so many people off. You know, um, it's making me not recommend it to people because it's just going to kick you in the ass right from the word go. Um, and if it just had a more gentle lead-in, I could recommend it more easily. And I think more people would be it's, getting on with it's it.
0: It's so weird though. I, I mean, I don't know... you probably talked about this before, but I I mean, I don't know how I would approach as a designer that um, the World 1 philosophy for World 1 because, um, you know, it's the place that's going to get played the most, Mm. you know, for all players. It's got to be interesting because otherwise you're just asking people just to to do a rote thing through it. Yeah, Um, but I don't think Mines and
1: Splunky 1 never got to that point. Like, it was way... I watched um, Graham actually did a Splunky one daily recently and it was so amazing to watch what mines is like compared to dwelling. It's so quiet and it's so chill. And I won't say it was, I won't (laughs) say it was easy because I wasn't playing and um, uh, I think he did take some damage from some stuff, but it was, um, uh, yeah, just so much like kinder (laughs) it seemed. And basically when that's the case, you can just breeze through it. And I find that, you know, I've, just i'm in no danger with Splunky of ever having a case where i'm like oh here we go again just just trudging through this content that i can do easily and flawlessly and will never take damage there's always a threat right there's always danger
0: yeah fair enough yeah no i i I, yes (laughs) that's 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 true i i think you were right um when you know maybe that that's that's probably the thing to do to offer more choices in, in, in dwellings, you know, and I think there probably are, there are a lot of choices that you can make that will affect the the ongoing run. Um, but uh, I think that, that to, to set off some of the, the paths you're going to go down is probably the thing that, you know, to, to make it easier, but then to give, put more choices into it that will affect what's going on in the future. But then again, I saw a thing on, on, this Splunky subreddit, which was this sort of damning kind of, you know, kind of post, which was, you know, uh, uh, not an interesting shop on 1-2, reset the game, <laughs> um, take damage on 1-1, one one, reset the game. And it's sort of, you know, <laughs> that's kind of killer stuff where, you know, there's just sort of like the only response to these sort of less than than kind of um, optimal um outcomes is reset the game which i think it's really good that it has that option to have the instant restart on or off you know from the settings yeah. i have it off because i know that it would just be too much of a um a temptation my problem
1: is i when i'm in that mode and i'm i'm resetting because i because um, something's gone wrong i do it with bombs i just throw it or throw all my bombs and then just let them kill me <laughs> because that's as, as quick as bring up the menu pretty much um or not quite but um uh it's just a more fun way to do it, really to go out in a blaze of glory. <laughs> um, but <laughs> I've, I don't really do it anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm mostly playing the daily. I'm not doing a lot of play outside of that. Um, just maybe one run here or there. Um, but also when I have done that, really that's time to stop playing Spelunky. As soon as you start doing that, like you need to go do something else because it's not going to get better. Like as soon as you're in that mode, it's basically being on tilt. You might not feel it yet, but what, when you're getting impatient, You're gonna be, you're gonna rush it, and then you're gonna have more stupid mistakes. And I watched, I was watching a a Bear Taffy, um, a very uh, prominent spelunky streamer, do exactly this. He was playing, you know, for four hours straight, and I was just skipping through it and watching little bits. And towards the end, he was um, had a frustrating death, restarted on Dwelling, and he just was speed running it to a crazy extent and running like headfirst into dart traps. And he didn't know he was doing it. Like people were telling him in his chat, like you're, you're, you're rushing this, uh, you know. And you take it slow or whatever which i'm sure is very annoying to hear um but he was like honestly in denial he was just saying no, i'm not going fast i'm not going any faster than usual it's just just getting these brutal seeds just seems so un- so unfair and every he was doing the thing of every time he takes damage oh, he's, he's resetting no. and it was interesting to watch that from the outside because i'm sure i've been there like i've definitely once i'm restarting it's going to happen again and again and i think actually it's also i was watching an old spelunky one daily um that um, I think somebody in our, in our public Discord um, mentioned um, an old run of mine where it's called the mind-boggling mistake. <laughs> That's because it's a run in which um, so one of the first things that happens is I take two damage from a dart trap and I just carry on um, and uh, it ends up going really well enough, enough that I have enough money to buy a jetpack in the jungle and I buy the jetpack in the jungle, and then I walk out of the shop without it. <laughs> I don't pick it up. And I don't notice I've done this at all for the next, like, you know, 30 minutes of the run. And and the only time I notice it is I go to another shop that also has a jetpack, and I've got enough money again. It's gone so well, I have enough money to buy a second jetpack. And it's only as I buy the second jetpack, I'm like, wait a minute, what is... Didn't I... Hang on. Didn't I buy a jetpack already? Where is my jetpack? Why didn't I already... Did I not pick up the jetpack? <laughs> um you know that run i think i still got to the end of the game i don't remember if i if i went to hell or not but um it was an incredibly successful run and that much went wrong like i took two damage early on i bought i paid for a jetpack which i didn't take <laughs> and it
0: still went great <laughs> yeah I and mean, yes exactly you can put it around you can just as just as it can turn victory into failure in, in an instant <laughs> in a roll of a lizard uh yeah, you can do the other way around. I can't. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Have you been playing anything else?
1: Uh, yeah, I also went back to Hades, as I uh, sort of regularly do now. <laughs> sort of, I keep revisiting it, um, I think, because I didn't click with it. Um, very early on, I was very addicted to it, but I was getting very frustrated with every death, and so I gave it a break, and especially because it was being patched a lot back then. And so balance was changing so much that everything I'd learned was kind of invalidated. Um, and then it's so beloved, in, especially like in our community and in a couple of other discords that I'm part of. Um, people are raving about it all the time. You basically never hear a single word against it. It's just perfect in every way. And I, I didn't feel that way about it. And so I kept going back to it to try and like get a better appreciation of what people were going for. And I talked last time about um, God Mode, which is this um, unusual... Uh, easy mode where it gives you 20% damage resistance then it ups it by 2% every time you die and it's I, mm. I kept that on basically until I because um, it, it keeps going up and it will never go down um, it will only not go up if you actually win the entire run uh, which is a much taller order than it is in something like Slay the Spire or um, certain other roguelikes um, uh, winning is quite a, a long term thing um and uh yeah it's weird that it just keeps getting easier and easier even as you get better like i was getting further and further and the the assistance was in response to that going up which i felt like was backwards you know i'm doing better now i need less assistance um and anyway i left yeah. it on until i until i did beat the game um And then I turned it off. And at this point, it was 66% damage resistance. So I am two-thirds immune to everything that's hitting me, which is insane. You know, if if there was an item that gave you that, it would be obviously broken and and people would uh, want it removed from the game, uh, because that's absurdly easy. And then I turned God Mode off, I did another run, and I won that one as well. (laughs) So... (laughs) i went from 66 damage resistance to zero damage resistance and i still won and i'd never won before that day you know it's you win once and then you just immediately win again and i've been playing with god mode off since and it's honestly it doesn't feel harder like maybe a little bit every now and then i'll i'll lose a life to like one of the earlier bosses um you know like the the sort of chapter one boss or chapter two boss um yeah whereas that wasn't happening with with god mode on but the number of runs where I get to the end of it is about the same. Um, the number of runs where I win, obviously, you know, I'd never won before that one thing, and then I won immediately with a god mode off. It doesn't feel harder. And I think I'm also getting better faster now, because uh, I think that my god mode was actually not helpful in a lot of ways in that it hides the damage you're taking. If, if two thirds of it is shaved off, you just don't notice what, when you get hit, and so you are, you're getting worn down, right. yeah, but health is going down and down and down.
0: Getting chipped and but chipped. You don't,
1: you're not really conscious mm. of which things you took damage from. Whereas when you, that damage resistance is gone. Uh, so I don't know this for sure, but I, my theory is that the like screen effect on taking damage and the number that pops up out of you telling you, you took damage. Um, I expect those are more pronounced when the damage is large, right? If you took 50 damage, I expect you would ramp up those effects. That's sort of the normal way to do these things. I haven't done like tests to, to verify whether this is true. But if it is, it would mean that that God mode makes those less noticeable in that way as well. And also just the health bar, you know, you don't notice the health bar going down if it only went down by a little bit. Whereas if you lose like you know, a third yeah. of your health in one hit, you're like, whoa, what the hell just happened? Um, and so I think I'm getting better at the game faster because every time I do get hit, I'm like, whoa, shit, that thing was nasty. I've got to do something. I've got to avoid that next time. And because I, if you get the feedback yeah. at the time that the damage happens, you can better understand why it happened. Whereas the thing that... W- it's a bit like leprosy.
0: <laughs> How so? <laughs> well, you'd, you'd, leprosy, you know, uh, damages or impairs your ability to um, feel pain. They <laughs> yeah? so. called it leprosy mode. Uh,
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> um, yep <laughs> just he knocked you off your path yeah. don't, know, don't know where to go from there uh, uh, yeah anyway I'm enjoying it more um, and
0: I. one of the things I think oh, actually I was going to ask you actually um, sorry like you mentioned in a, like in another conversation that um, the fact that you're getting to the end every time means that um a run like starting a run in Hades is actually like a big investment of time and effort.
1: Yeah. It's, it takes about f- the times I've won, it's been, it's taken 40 minutes. Um, and I think probably the times I've got to the end and lost has been longer because usually those are the builds that are doing damage less quickly. And so it's taken me, um, longer to get there as well. So it's, you know, getting close to an hour for a, a run. Um, and it, it also feels like a good Spelunky run can be 40 minutes. Um, this feels more exhausting because you're absolutely mashing the buttons the whole time. It's frenetic, nonstop. Yeah. There's no breathing room. I mean, there, there's brief forces between the combat, but all the time you're playing, in inverted commas, um, you are absolutely frantically pushing buttons. Um, and so it's 40 minutes yeah. of really exhausting stuff. And it's also not that variable. You know, Splunky is so hit and miss. I mean, it's partly because that random element I was talking about earlier and partly because the different skills it's testing are changing all the time. And when you mess up from one thing, it's instant death. Hades is much softer in terms of like, you, you might have a run that goes badly and you lose more health than you gain in a given chapter. And so you're slowly, slowly dying unless you do something to turn your build around. Um, but it's much more sort of consistent. I will you know, usually get to the final boss and I'll usually lose to him. That's my, that's my default outcome for a Hades run now. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then sometimes I beat him and sometimes I, I die even sooner. Uh, but the the runs are pretty consistently, you know, thirty to fifty minutes. Um and yeah, so it's it's a bigger investment to play. Um but at the same time the upside of that is it's more reliable it's more reliably sort of satisfying. I'm gonna have a load of good fights. I'm gonna have a load of times when I, you know a really a move really connects and takes out a whole load of people in a really crunchy, satisfying way. Um yeah. And that's a nice thing to have versus Spelunky's absolute uncaring <laughs> harshness, where <laughs> it's just gonna gonna get your hopes up with a nice early jetpack and then uh, curse you with a witch doctor from out of nowhere and have you lose it all as fast as you gained it, or much faster than you gained it. <laughs> yeah, the thing I was gonna say about about finishing it was that the narrative stuff had not been clicking with me. Uh, that's probably the biggest part that that people rave about that I hasn't really landed to me largely because they're all gods and so it's all very abstract to me in terms of who like the relationships are all very false um in terms of you get these these chambers where there's two rewards offered and you have to choose one and you, by choosing that one you'll please that god and piss off the other god and then you just have a big fight where that god is helping the enemies and then after that they like you again <laughs> and <Yeah>. those <laughs> i mean i i admire um uh, Greg is a friend Greg Savin who's the the writer Super giant and as a friend and I, I admire how good a job he's done with those things like given the context it's fucking difficult to write anything that makes any sense in that context at all uh, yeah. and obviously it's god so yeah they are fickle and it, uh, that it suits the theme that they change their whims on a dime and they love you one minute and they hate you the next minute and vice versa but as as characters that i'm sort of uh, i feel like i'm expected to care about i can't really get invested because it doesn't it's all so meaningless it's all so you know whatever they say this minute is going to be completely contradicted by what they say the next minute um, because of game mechanics and because they're gods. Uh, But anyway, winning, uh, the framing, uh, also I won't spoil anything about what happens when you win, Um, uh, but someone had just said the framing of it was really good and having done it now, I agree, it's really good (laughs) because they have to kind of come up with a reason why you'd keep trying, the whole purpose of the game is to escape from Hades, you're trying to get out of there. And so after you've done that, why would you keep doing it? And their answer to that question is really nice. It's really
0: sort of, um oh, I'd like to see how that's answered actually yeah, yeah. I didn't, didn't think about that it's a good answer <laughs> Yeah I always I just always felt that the um the the story stuff is kind of ambient it's sort of there yeah. it, you know like in in one run you're doing a lot with Neptune not Neptune Poseidon oh yeah and then the next run it's all with it's all about Artemis and Zeus and you know so It's, it's, I just, for me, it's just this sort of ambient thing. And like, there's a sort of like a little flavorful thing that happens, and they're cheering you along, but they don't care about you that much. That's how I always sort of saw it. Yeah. Like, they're just, they're just like these fickle uh, sports fans (laughs) who're just watching you kind of labor for them and giving them entertainment along the way. Yeah,
1: that makes sense, actually. And that's, that feels like a good context to see it in. I do like that. You know, it might sound like I'm saying, oh, there should be permanent relationship consequences for choosing this boon over that boon, but I don't want that, of course, because uh, I think anytime you make narrative and gameplay fight each other, uh, you put the player in a very awkward position of having to, um, yeah. uh, the the likely outcome is they're just going to pick gameplay and they'll just have to care less about the narrative in order to do that. And so I like that Hades doesn't do that, as far as I know, like when you make that choice in that, those dual boons thing. Yeah. Um, you're not permanently pissing off a god. You're just doing this temporary thing, and it's it'll be forgotten. And then the relationship stuff is done purely through a very mechanical thing of handing them some nectar that you found, and those are just like tokens That's you right, just spend yeah. those. That I th- I want to engage with that more than I do because the first time you do it, you get a special reward for that, right? With for each person you can
0: give nectar to. Um, but I think there are secondary awards later. Yeah, on Yeah, well, I've kind of
1: given them even more. Uh, again, we shouldn't spoil anything. Uh, but I looked on the wiki and I found out what those are, and I. It sounds to me like there aren't for most people. For most people, you can improve your relationship, and there's something. There might be more dialogue out of that, but you don't get anything sort of concrete rewards. And I think, oh, right. Uh, and then for some of them, there are some concrete rewards, but again, would say what. Um, and uh, yeah, because you're given a reward for the first time, and then you're not subsequent times. This resource is kind of precious. You want to give it only to people you've never given it to before, and so you just give one of each, one each to everybody and do it in a very yeah. mechanical way. And I've just lately, I just started um, uh, giving a load to Artemis, who's sort of the, I like her yeah. her dialogue. Um, uh, and so I just decided to pick a favorite just just to see where that goes and if it has an effect. Um, and I sort of, I like doing that. I haven't really got any results from it yet. I mean, she has some, some quite uh, sweet voice lines about it because she's sort of very bashful and confused by it. <laughs> um, uh, and that's fun. <laughs> But yeah, maybe wish that, uh, that I was pushed more to engage with that stuff. Because I like to express, you know, with a story, I like to say who I like more and, and have favorites like that. But um, because they sort of tied it to a mechanical thing up front, that made me think of it in mechanical terms.
0: Well, they could have continued that. If, like, if, if you knew that you were going to get further or better rewards further along that, that investment line, then, then mechanics would have supported that too.
1: Yeah, maybe you do. I, I'm not 100 sure that you don't. It's just that there's one particular kind of reward that I know you only get from certain people if you go far enough along that mm. track. It's a good and game. I'm also though. I'm stuck in uh, just one more one more bitch about it. Sorry, um, <laughs> I am I'm stuck in hell with it now. Oh god, that's sorry. I didn't mean that, that as a joke. Um, I am <laughs> stuck in a bad place with it now because um, there's something I can unlock, like a fairly major gameplay thing. Um, that I know I can unlock. And I've done all the prerequisites for it. Um, you, it's sort of one of these things that, you know, if you play the game a lot, eventually they unlock something new for you to play with that changes how the game plays. Um, I know what it is and I know that it's coming, but, and I've done a lot of prerequisites, but it's given to you by a certain character um, back at Hades, main base, <laughs> what's it called? The House of Hades. Um, and he's, I guess he's been standing there all along, but I never noticed him before. And I've got to talk to him and he will, he will give this new, unlock this new part of the game for me. But that is queued up in his conversation backlog. And it turns out I was supposed to have talked to him after every single run, pretty much for like, <laughs> I've done hundreds of runs of this game. And so I'm, and he only, he only shows up at House of Hades like one in every two times. So each run I do, there's a 50, 50 chance he's going to be there. Um, and then when he finally is there and I talk to him, you know, I've done a 40 minute run and I, I finally get back to the house and I, uh, uh, look, go looking for him he's not there I do another 40 minute run I get back there and talk to him and he says oh I see you found the bow the second fucking weapon I unlocked in this game like a year ago like oh god how many more of these have we got to go through dude please just unlock the new thing We <laughs> will be like oh you met my uncle yes I met your fucking uncle like 900 times <laughs> And I will say to the game's to the game's credit. I am I am trying to cheese this. I'm trying to just start a run, get myself killed, and go back to the base. But every time I start a run, obviously it gives you this random boon right off the bat, and I'm like, ah, oh, actually, I want to try this out. Let me just kill these first few enemies with this, and like, oh, that's pretty good. Maybe I'll do the next chamber, and then I end up playing a whole run every time because it is it does draw you in.
0: Oh no. <laughs> Should we do some questions? From questions?
1: I guess so. That's where you find them. That's where we answer them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, let's. Um, We've got one here from Quantonium, a a, a rare mineral, uh, which may or may not be from space. Um, Anyway, this rare mineral, Quantonium, says, hi, your podcast is always a highlight of my week. It's been nice to hear from Tom F and Grahams recently as well. It's true. That is true. Um, Quantonium, the rare space mineral, asks, what is the oldest game that you've played in the last three-ish years? Why did you go back to it? I think my
1: answer is um, uh, because of you, which is uh, Defense of the Oasis. (laughs) Because that was, what year was it?
0: Oh God, I can't remember, like uh, mid-2000s in the early days of the GDC (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah because okay 2005 so you're you're bang on <laughs> unless by mid-2000s you meant 2500 <laughs> which because <gives> you're <laughs> way off
0: <laughs> unfortunately that was exactly what i was going for <laughs> <laughs> um
1: yeah that this was a, i was not aware of it at all at the time um and yeah i think we said last time it, it, it won the igf um either that year or, so, or presumably some subsequent year um yeah was, i could definitely imagine playing this game in like a in windowed mode in like windows xp <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah that's a, that's an aesthetic that is yet to be uh fully explored by uh new games but i'm sure it's coming
1: <laughs> yeah yeah there isn't there isn't a lot of nostalgia for that is there there's plenty for for quake as as discussed um and for now, for PS One is a big thing, isn't it? But yeah, not for the. And the,
0: like, I think there's a sort of like the demakey sort of feel for Windows 3.1. I think is kind of. It's, oh yeah, it, like a Hib- an
1: outlaw and stuff.
0: Yeah. So yeah, I, I think this you know it's all it's all it's all just catching up. Like it's XP <laughs> is coming. I'm looking forward to um, the one after XP. Oh, not me. What's it called? What was the? What was that really good version of Windows that was before 10? <laughs>
1: Um, uh, there was 7 but the one before there, 7 that's it was it? Was there something before between 8 yeah, and ten, 7 yeah it was awful
0: I can't remember what it was I'm looking forward oh, to that oh Vista one. Vista Vista
1: god I actually blo- blocked it out
0: <laughs> Vista aesthetic
1: yeah because 7 was the big comeback right Vista was the, was the low point and then like with 7 it was like oh this one is actually not so terrible <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. I was, um, well, we talked about Quake earlier on. That was my big one. I was also thinking, like, this maybe is a bit too, (laughs) actually, I just suddenly realized it's really, really similar. But, like, maybe it's not old enough, but Devil Daggers, I went back to a few weeks ago. I don't know why I didn't go back to it. Like, I I wanted to maintain it because I was actually improving my times fairly consistently. But, um, that was nice to go back to. Mm. But that's a really similar game, another first-person shooter, like <laughs> yeah. fast, pixelated shooter.
1: I, I have played a few like indie things that I missed out on at the time, um, like Orwell, uh, which is not super yeah. old, but just um, uh, certainly not new. And I sort of, I liked the idea of it. You're sort of, you're a nasty government tool um, spying on, on people's um, and trying to sort of... See ways they might be guilty for a terrorist attack, um, and uh, but it's and I'm okay with that. <laughs> That's fine. I can I can be that guy. Um, <laughs> but the way it's got this system where like all you do as the player is just select what data goes into the the log. Like you're browsing right. a web page sort of thing, and you click on a relevant bit of data, and that gets added to your log. But you don't get to. Um, Sort of say what it is you're logging, and sometimes the logging of it has a different significance than what you intend. Yeah. And not, um, uh, not in the sense that you log this data and someone else interprets it differently, which obviously would be very on theme. You know, you you logged it for some innocent reason, and they they twist it for, to their own ends. That that makes sense. But I I had ones where like what my character submitted was was not at all what I meant, um, and that immediately sort of coloured the whole
0: investigation and that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking that um, I played System Shock 2 back. Oh yeah, in February, according to Steam, and that like, was some, that. Like the
1: was it a remake or remaster? No, thing, it's, the, or just it's the actual the, thing.
0: Yeah, like a sort of modded up version of the original, just so it was a bit more kind of pleasant to play. Um, and that was really good to remember just how much stuff that game got rights like it just hmm. it is it is a good game <laughs> as everybody <Yeah>. know
1: <laughs> that's another one with a very like unique atmosphere i feel like even though yeah i mean it compared to quake it's not quite as 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 divorced from standard sci-fi but it's still just the feeling of being on that space station and all the tannoy announcements and the yeah um, the shops and stuff was all had a very particular vibe to it
0: yeah so like you sort of feel it when you stop playing as well it, means it brings you back in when you start playing it again as well yeah, yeah. Um, we got a letter here from David Bove who um, says I just ordered a new laptop to replace my aged Tor- Core 2 Duo which I'd assume I'll be able to donate to a museum now, my old <laughs> desktop was in such poor shape that even Digital Bird Playground gave it a conniption digital bird playground that sounds good (laughs) (laughs) so it's been a while since i've been anywhere close to playing anything recent now that i have a machine that can run it i'd love to try to uh, i'd love to try tides of numenera but i don't think i've got the space in my schedule or my brain for something that big right now i'm at the point where when i have time to open up the refrigerator to get something to eat i've forgotten what it is that i was looking for what are some games you would love to dive into but you don't have you don't feel you have space for right now. What kind of games do you like, but that don't fit into your schedule, and you wish there was a short form version? Take care, David. Yeah, that's um, that's most games <laughs> for me at the <laughs> moment. I just, I'm, I'm again looking at my Steam uh, recents list. Uh, I have lots of dabbled with games that I wanted to put more time into, and then simply didn't so um
1: yeah yeah that's me too i'm looking at um so the first one that sprung to mind is crusader kings because um i uh yeah i was getting on the right with that i I sort of i fear that the succession thing might just kill it for me in terms of that that the way you can lose all of your relationships all of a sudden that was so galling to me that i kind of it's hard to get excited about a new run of that but if i was i think all of these things are like if i was (laughs) Bored, <laughs> I would. I would get over my my issues and and delve into to what is there, um, and uh, I am sure there would, there would be depth and stuff that I would enjoy. I am um, also. I am looking at my wish list now. Rimworld is still on my wish list, <laughs> which I know <laughs> is fully out, and I sort of hear amazing things about it. Um, it's got, let's see, overwhelmingly positive positive ninety eight percent positive reviews after seventy thousand user reviews on Steam. That's yeah.
0: astonishing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, that's a game that my son has put a huge number of hours into. He absolutely loves it. Right. And it's good. It? But it's kind of like those that's one of those daunting games. It's, you know, so you feel it's actually quite welcoming. I found it um, a few years ago. Like it does, it makes a lot of sense and the it brings you in. It's quite gentle with you initially. So it's not too, but I think it's quite daunting an idea to get into it, I think. I Mm. think, I think I, my problem right now is actually with um, games like Hades, even Monster Train. I really, really love Monster Train, Um, but sitting down for an intense session like that, like a run is usually what, 30 minutes, I'd say. Is that about Mm. right, Tom? Tom? Yeah. Um, And you can't really pause it; like it just breaks it if you have to walk away for a bit. Um, And I don't think it resumes. I'm not sure. Maybe it does, but you know, I don't really want to do to do that. But just to to commit myself to a session like that is actually quite different moment because I don't know. Home life is a little bit chaotic at the moment with kind of you know. I just don't really have a block of an hour or two available at the moment um where I yeah. feel that i i tend to commit to games where i can just walk away at any point
1: I was actually so you can monster train I think does work for like if you have to step away for a bit in between fights um but uh i i was using it as my break between sets when working out uh because i was um i used to like for a while i was doing slay the spire for that because uh, a fight in slay the spire can almost fit into an acceptable gap between sets in a workout not really yeah. it's too long but but almost <laughs> monster train absolutely can't because the fights are like you know 10 15 minutes long <laughs> um and there's, there's fewer of them to compensate but uh, as a break it doesn't make sense at all but i i sort of um fooled myself into doing this by saying well if i'm playing monster train in between sets i'm kind of enjoying the whole thing right the whole thing becomes like uh A fun thing rather than a a horrible chore that I dread (laughs) which is what it normally is (laughs) and it actually backfired because that that seemed to work for a while and then I just started to dread my workout more and more each day and I got to the point where I just kind of couldn't face it one day and even though it had this fun thing interspersed with it the fact that I was taking these huge breaks between sets I mean a that's not good for the actual exercise benefit (laughs) Um, but b uh, it meant the whole thing took at least an hour um, usually like an hour and a half, whereas normally I do like quite a brief workout. Um, and so just the time investment was becoming enormous. Uh, so my monster <laughs> training regime did not pan out. It was a bad idea.
0: <laughs> I like that. Monster training. That's really good. You could market it. It didn't this. work. You missed oh. the moral of my story. <laughs> <laughs> but the but you get to call it monster training. So yeah, the, that makes up for it. the pun is hard to resist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am, um, yeah. I've been kind of like, obviously, uh, Baldur's Gate three is playable now, and arguably, yeah, it's not a good time to play it. Maybe not as good a time to play it as when it, you know, it's out of early access. But I, I don't know whether I can just sit at my computer for the hours. I kind of want to, but I don't think I can.
1: Yeah, I really, I love it's increasingly rare these days but i do love when there's a new game that you really want to sink some time into and you just take like a day off and um yeah or there's a weekend where you have enough free time that you can actually just like mainline it for a whole day um or maybe not an entire day but like eight hours <laughs> like a working day <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> I, I really miss that from like i guess like most of the, those times for me were probably when i was reviewing things yeah because that was that was the the sweet gig that we had at one point <laughs> was being a actually being able to do that as a job
0: but also I think there was a change in scene thing I think I'd benefited from where I mean right now I work at the same computer that I would play a game on and yeah. that means that I don't want to sit here for <laughs> longer than I have to so playing a game is kind of laced with I'm still sitting in this office chair and I my back is not happy with me for doing this <laughs> whereas kind of taking time off work or taking time during work to to review a game feels like a holiday it feels like a sort of a, a special difference uh which I don't know I you know I've I've loads of friends who sort of you know like a big game comes out and you know, I'm going to take time off for this, and I've never really felt was like, uh, outside of review of review times like that. It's not really yeah. been able to enjoy the same thing. Our last question uh, comes from Daniel Walter. He writes, uh, "Crow Crew." I find myself listening listening to the Stellaris score regularly, even though the last time I played the game was in February 2018. Do you have any games where the score is stuck with you longer than the game did? Or more broadly, do you have any games that you enjoy the score on its own merit? That's from Daniel in Iowa.
1: Yeah. I still, um, listen to the transistor soundtrack sometimes, mm. which cause that was a, a beautiful kind of mood, um, and worked great in the game itself. And then, um, it's nice to just be reminded of that game and, uh, I think that might also be what, why my feelings about the Hades uh, story stuff aren't as strong as some of people's because I sort of, because they hit such a high mark with Transistor for me in terms of just the whole mood of that piece was so kind of haunting and just stayed with me for so long afterwards. Yeah. And I was sort of was expecting that again. And uh, like you say, I think in Hades, it's much more ambient. It's kind of just um, a background thing. Um, and yeah, that's that's one I listen to because it reminds me of the game. And then there's another one where uh, I don't think I ever played the game, <laughs> which is Neo Tokyo. It was a mod. Um,
0: huh.
1: God, what was it even for? Was it Half-Life or Unreal? It might have been Unreal, <laughs> like one of the Unreal tournaments, perhaps. Um, and it was primarily multiplayer, like cyberpunk, sort of um, futuristic combat game. Uh, and the soundtrack is really good. Um, and i liked it at the time and it's been i think it's on spotify yeah i have it on a spotify playlist um and it's just a really good it's good music to work to just got a really nice um uh i keep i feel like i keep saying vibe and feel today but <laughs> that, that is what it has <laughs> uh, just a, a, vibe a really and nice feel. atmosphere <laughs> i mean how yeah. how the fuck am i supposed to describe music <laughs> it's not my job I thought-
0: yeah, I, I find it really hard to describe music. It's like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I I don't tend to listen to that much, um, that many scores. I don't really listen to film scores either. I don't know why. Sometimes to get the kids kind of riled up, um, I'll put the orchestral, there's like some sort of um, kind of um, like uh, – the Royal Symphony Orchestra plays the classics, like sort of style <laughs> thing, uh, where they're playing the uh, Metal Gear Solid Two theme, <laughs> and it's very rousing. So I put that on really loudly for the kids to to annoy them. Um, that's, <laughs> so what is what that's, is the use
1: case here? When do you need your kids to be more riled up than they are?
0: <laughs> if they uh, uh, if they if they're watching TV, uh, when well, I don't want them to be watching TV. <laughs> That's one That's one use case. <laughs> or we need to get out of the house. Come on, we've got to get going. Put that music on, fire them up. Mostly with anger, as opposed to the raw uh, power of that music. It's a very powerful track. It's very good. Makes
1: them motivated to leave the house where that music is playing. <laughs> There's one... I've heard I it... There were loads of people who listened to movie soundtracks like just while working and stuff and i find it so weird and jarring because they're they're pieces that are set to particular events and and dramatic turns and reveals and stuff and when those (laughs) things aren't happening it's so weird to just have like out (laughs) of nowhere that music suddenly oh my god (laughs) like i'm still just like typing a line of code (laughs) that disconnect is really weird to me
0: that is actually that is that is one of the reasons i don't that you're right actually that is one of the reasons i don't listen to um game scores and film scores because yeah, they d- dramatize an, an invisible and not real thing. <laughs> yeah. There is actually, one... I actually discovered that um, Jack had bought uh, um, the Splunky 2 soundtrack on Bang uh, Bang oh, really? Camp and he's been listening to it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Man, I, I could not listen to any of the Dwelling tracks anymore. That's that's <laughs> absolutely <laughs> too much. I mean, bad memories and also <laughs> overexposure. But I actually, I yeah, I, I forgot... Um, I forgot that I'd, I forgot that there would be more music further into the game. And so like, I'd never heard the tide pools music, even though I played loads of tide pools until I was watching someone else's stream and I was like, oh shit, there's music uh, here and I like it. So ne- like when I get to the later worlds now, I remember to go in the options and turn the music on. So
0: switch I think, the music back on. <laughs> yeah.
1: I do like the Splunky 2 music a lot more than, than Splunky 1s. Like the first time I hear the tracks, I actually enjoyed them. <laughs> I really, the style of Splunky 1, it wasn't, wasn't the execution or anything. It was just that style was not my cup of tea for Splunky One.
0: Yeah, it was very idiosyncratic. And I think um I think it helps also that Splunky 2. There's this, there's a sort of a, sort of light dynamic nature to it, the way that it mm. will bring in um different themes if you're in special places and
1: Yeah. I think know. I was watching it might have been your daily and you're playing with music on and um you got this incredibly dramatic track uh that I think is like has a very rare
0: chance of, of playing. <laughs> the one good thing about that that run then <laughs> <laughs>
1: I think there's also, I don't know if, it, I think this is a different thing, but there's also a version of the normal track that um, I thought it played randomly, but actually it's not. It's the first run of the day. You get a special version of it where it has this longer intro where it sort of builds up and builds up and then it goes into the normal track.
0: Oh, no way. Yeah. Yeah, this is quite nice new. Idea. Like there's loads going on in it. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I don't know what, I don't, actually I'd actually have to ask him how it, it uh, translates to being just linear normal music
1: there is um there's one movie track i do listen to sometimes uh from the sunshine soundtrack
0: and
1: if you know the track you'll know which one i mean because there's one particular piece of music it gets used in in adverts and stuff a lot because it's just like an incredibly it's kind of the crescendo writ large um it's incredibly epic and sort of sweeping and soaring and inspiring um And, yeah, that's so perfectly crafted um, that I can listen to that hundreds of times and um, still find it,
0: like, excites me. Yeah. I sometimes put the Interstellar one on. I don't really know why, because it can be far too epic. (laughs) 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 But there's a sort of, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for tonight um thanks for listening already um you can uh, hang out with us and our community on our discord channel um you can find a link to our discord channel on our website which is at creighton um, yeah and if you're if
1: doing if you're playing Splunky 2 and playing the daily oh, yeah. um, record yourself and and post the videos in there because that's what a lot of our community are doing and it's really
0: fun to watch other people's takes on the same the same run yeah and also just come and join the community because it's really nice and lovely mm. um if you have a question for a future episode uh you can send it to us at questions at com, or you can tweet us at cratoncrowbar. uh you can also listen to the podcast on youtube uh just uh, You know, Crate and Crowbar. Just (laughs) put that in the YouTube, uh, which is just the audio. Put that in your
1: YouTube and smoke it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's just the audio. Don't get to see our faces. That's a good thing for you. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you do get a little title card, which you get nowhere else. uh, But it's also available on all the other places and all the other podcast places. Uh, The Crate and Crowbar is kindly funded, uh, founded, funded, (laughs) <laughs> by our Patreon backers If you'd like to know more about sp- supporting Our podcast and its spin-offs Visit patreon.com Slash Creighton Crowbar uh, It only remains for me to say I've been Alex Wiltshire And I've been Tom Francis Thanks And thanks for listening Everybody, everybody.